0: Download the new Bumble now.
1: Well, hello, Merry Christmas, and welcome to the Attaboy Clarence Christmas edition for 2017. I do hope your year has been a happy one, and I hope that 2018 will be even happier for you. I think we'll kick off the show today with a little Christmas cheer in the form of Gene Autry. And here comes Santa Claus.
2: Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Dixon and Blixon and all his reindeers pulling on the reins. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. So hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that's filled with toys for boys and girls again. Hear those sleigh bells jingle jangle, oh, what a beautiful sight. So jump in bed and cover your head, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you're rich or poor, he loves you just the same. Santa Claus knows we're all God's children, that makes everything right. So fill your hearts with Christmas cheer, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He'll come around when chimes ring out that it's Christmas morn again. Peace on earth will come to all if we just follow the light. So let's give thanks to the Lord above, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Come Santa Claus here, come Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. Fixing and blitzing all his reindeers pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight.
3: Happy Christmas to all the listeners of Attaboy Clowns from the Horties again this year
4: in snowy South Wales. You would even say
1: it glows. And happy Christmas to you, the Haughty family, and a very special happy Christmas to the Haughty children, Darius and Caitlin. Hi there, guys. Hope you get some very expensive presents from your parents there. And congratulations, by the way. You are the first family to have ever provided your own backing track. Nicely sung there, Mother Haughty. Merry Christmas to you all. Well, one thing I always look forward to at Christmas are the movies, and especially a good Christmas movie. I'll just give a quick shout-out to my very special friend, Miss Amy Krell, and her lovely fella, Richard, who came for dinner here at Attaboy Towers last week. Amy is the producer of the big Christmas hit on Netflix this year, A Christmas Prince, which is taking the world by storm, and Richard, who's an actor of some renown, is actually in the film. If you haven't seen it yet, do go and check it out. It's lovely and very festive, and Merry Christmas to you too. But if you're after some vintage Yuletide movie action, perhaps I can steer you towards one of my favourites, a slice of Christmas romance for you in 1949's Holiday Affair, which sees Robert Mitchum trying to win the love of young single mother Janet Lee. Now there's the
2: happiest guy in New York. He'll never be president of the First National Bank.
5: Why aren't you telling him to move
6: over?
2: Not me. I can't balance a ball on my nose. I don't like raw fish. No, I don't want to be him. I don't think he'd like to be me. <laughs> Wait a minute, you don't have to agree so fast, boy.
1: <laughs> An odd film, really rather downbeat as Christmas stories go, and yet it's one of those rare films that hooks you quite quickly and refuses to release your attention until the very end. You will be rather gripped by it. Mitchum plays Steve, a war veteran and drifter of sorts, whose path crosses with that of Connie, played by Janet Lee, who's trying to scratch out a living for her and her young son, Timmy.
5: Well, I can't seem to find anything to accuse you of. But nevertheless, raise your right hand and repeat after me. I will do no peeking at the presents in this closet until Christmas morning. I will do no peeking into this closet until Christmas morning. Here. Let me get your shirt. What are you laughing about? I just feel good. What do you feel so good about? Oh, I don't know. Christmas, surprises. I just feel good, that's all.
1: Slowly, Steve is drawn into the family, much to the displeasure of Carl, played by Wendell Corey, who wants to marry Connie himself. Marry me and I'll buy you a dishwasher. A cute little Frenchman with a tight skirt. What do you say, Connie?
5: Could you give me a little more time, Carl?
7: almost two years.
5: You know what they say, this is so sudden.
7: Got to have someone to buy loud neckties for.
1: I won't spoil too much of the story, it's best that you kind of just go with it. This was a radical change of pace for Mitchum, who'd been playing hard-boiled characters for some time. He'd actually just been arrested on drugs charges and was trying to rehabilitate his image. This was a very good choice for him then, because while it didn't exactly set the box office alight, it did prove that he wasn't just a man of action. As for the film itself, it's a very curious little affair. It's a remarkably effective picture of city life in the late 40s with its cramped apartments and the hangover of war still being felt. You also get that real buzz of Christmas and winter on the street scenes, where everyone's rushing around to do their shopping and there's a genuine sense of goodwill among the people there. It really is drenched in Christmas spirit. Its closest relation, I think, is Miracle on 34th Street, which is a far more sentimental poem to Christmas than this. But you can definitely imagine the story of Kris Kringle happening on the other side of town. It's very much set in the same universe. And that's what I like about this film. It really is a Christmas story. Just one of millions that were happening all over the city at that time. Janet Leigh is obviously remembered mainly for her role in Psycho these days, and it's sometimes easy to forget that she was a big star before that film. Watch this and you'll see why. She's a remarkably beautiful presence on film and very charming to watch. And Mitchum is great, as always. Gruff, but great. His character definitely lives on in the mind, and it's easy to see why Connie falls in love with him. All in all, quite a classic. A minor classic, but a classic Nonetheless, it's not one of those films that instantly springs to mind when you're trying to decide which classic Christmas tale to watch during the festive period. But search out 1949's Holiday Affair, and I'm fairly sure it'll be one of your regular December choices from now on. Hi,
8: Adam. My name is Shannon Johnson from Lexington, Kentucky, and I just wanted to say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to you and all the listeners, Bad Boy Clarence, and Happy New Year. Thanks again for all the great podcasts. We really enjoy them. Slaybells ring. Are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight. We're happy tonight. Walking in a winter wonderland. Gone away is the bluebird here to stay is a new bird he sings a love song as we go along walking in a winter wonderland in the meadow we can build a snowman and pretend that he is parson brown he'll say are you married we'll say no man but you can do the job when you're in town later on we'll conspire As we dream by the fire to face unafraid the plans that we made walking in a winter wonderland.
1: And that was Richard Himba with Winter Wonderland, sung by Joey Nash. Lovely. And thank you, Shannon, for your beautiful Christmas greeting. Well, along with the Christmas wishes you guys have been sending in, you've also had the opportunity to send in your queries by dropping them into the Christmas pot at attaboyclarence.com. So let's reach on in there, shall we, and see what we have. So the first one here is from Div, who writes... Hello Adam, I live in India and have been watching every old Hollywood movie I can get my hands on since the last three years, if only I had started sooner. Channels here seldom show classics, so I was not even aware how amazing these movies are. Ever since I realized that there are podcasts where like-minded people discuss these gems, I've been listening to all those I can. I'm about to finish all the podcasts on your site and we'll start with Bullets and Blood next. I especially love how much fun you bring to each podcast intro and I even discovered the show What's My Line Through You. Thanks a ton for that. Please forgive me if I missed this, but I think you've never mentioned any Gary Cooper movie. Could you please let me know if there's a reason for that? Or maybe you've covered his movies and I missed that somehow. More power to you. Keep up the great work. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year in advance. Thanks again, Div. And that's from Div in India. Thank you so much for the message. I've done a few Gary Cooper movies. There's a written review of Bluebeard's Eighth Wife on the site. Shut up! Plus, I reviewed it on the podcast in episode 7. And I did Mr. Deeds Goes to Town in episode 64. Plus, Design for Living was a big part of Sex in Monochrome for the Secret History of Hollywood. But yes, Div, I could do more. I agree. So I'll devote a show to old Gary very soon. I do like him very much, so it wasn't intentional. And more power to you, too, listening all the way over there in India. Hi! Next up, a question from Angela Hope, who begins her query very formally. Dear Sir slash Madam, greetings to you from me in East London, England. I have just spotted you on Twitter, and I am most interested by your podcasts, and I'm wondering if you could have them on Android as well as iPhone." If you don't, could I ask if you have any plans to release them onto Android? I do hope so, as I find the whole subject matter very interesting. By the way, I'm following your fine selves on Twitter, sending you best wishes to you and yours for 2017 and beyond, thanking you muchly for taking the time out to read my email to you. I look forward to hearing from you very soon. Take care, Angie. And you take care too, Angie. In answer to your question, Android's a weird one. Apple has a centralised, built-in podcast library at its heart in iTunes, but Android doesn't as yet. You can submit your podcast to Google Play, but only if you live in the US, which I don't. The best way to listen on Android is through an app. You can use Acast, I'm on there. You can use Overcast, I'm on there. I'd probably recommend Overcast as the best option, very slick. Yours faithfully, Adam. One more Christmas pot query then, this time from Grant, who writes, I'm trying to remember a classic Christmas movie I watched 46 years ago, but cannot remember its name. It's a classic. It's an American coming-of-age movie set in the American countryside with a duck-slash-goose-hunting thread. A young couple's first love and a fight scene of note where the young guy gets boxing lessons after being knocked down by the competitor for the girl, and eventually takes on and beats the bully and gets the girl. This sounds like a great film, Grant, I've racked my brains, and I cannot for the life of me come up with anything except Love Finds Andy Hardy, which isn't really like any of the things you describe, but... I throw it out to the hive mind listening and hopefully wiser heads than mine will be able to put you out of your misery. So listeners, does this plot sound like a film you know? And if so, let me know and together we'll make Grant's Christmas wish come true. Well, I don't know about you, but I do like a slice of the dark and sinister at Christmas time, whether it's a ghost story or a stab of suspense, because nothing goes as well with your helping of Christmas cheer as a chill down the spine. So let's take a trip on over to radio's outstanding theatre of thrills, Suspense, for a classic spin on a very familiar story, as we join the fabulous Greer Garson for a Christmas story entitled... Twas the Night Before Christmas.
9: AutoLite and its 98,000 dealers present Suspense.
10: Tonight, AutoLite presents a special program for this holiday season, the unusual dramatization of Twas the Night Before Christmas, starring Miss Greer Garson who appears by arrangement with MGM, producers of the new color picture, Knights of the Round Table, in Cinemascope, starring Robert Taylor,
9: Ava Gardner, and Mel Ferrer. Good evening, this is Harlow Wilcox speaking for Autolite. Tonight, as a special Christmas presentation from the worldwide Autolite family, we bring you Miss Greer Garson in a story about a certain little girl on a certain Christmas Eve.
10: And now, Autolite presents transcribed the night before Christmas, hoping once again to keep you in... Suspense!
11: Come on, wake up. (laughs) Wake up, Kathy. It's the day before Christmas. Oh, and there's so much (laughs) to do. Miss Buff, it's light out already.
12: You said you were going to wake me really early today so we could go to the airport and meet them.
11: Come on, up you get. Let's get you dressed.
12: Buffy, they're going to be waiting for me, and you didn't wake me. I know what they're home already. Kathy. Mommy! Daddy, where are you? Daddy! Mommy! Buffy, they're not in their bedroom. Where are they? Kathy. I know. I'll bet they're in the kitchen already having their coffee. Mom! Miss Buffy, they're not home. I know, honey. The clock in the kitchen said 8.30.
11: Kathy, here, put this on, dear. You told me you wanted to wear this dress today. So that's why I ironed it for you. Miss Buff, Yes, dear?
12: Why aren't they here?
11: Oh, they'll be here.
12: But when I talked to Mommy on the telephone yesterday, she said she would be here at 6 this morning. And I promised her I'd meet her at the airport, her and Daddy. I know, I know. And Daddy said he had a surprise he was bringing for me all the way from Paris. It's 8.30, Buffy.
11: Let's go out to the airport now. Oh, but there's so many things to do. First, you've got to get your breakfast, and we have to finish decorating the tree. And, uh, oh, but there's so many things I want you to help oh, me with. Oh,
12: everything can wait, Buffy. Hurry, I promised to meet them.
11: Uh, no, dear.
12: Why not, Buff?
11: Well, I think we'll we'll wait for them here. Kathy.
12: Yes?
11: You remember what you promised your mommy and dad? That you'd do everything I ask you while they were away?
12: Yes.
11: Then uh, we'll wait for them here, hmm?
12: All right, Buffy. Jessica. It's noon, Buffy. I know you think they might have called
11: and told us they'd be late? Oh, I'll go and make our lunch. You must be very hungry. No, I'm not. Oh, you didn't eat your breakfast, Kathy. Miss Buff, I'm not hungry. Look. Oh, look, it's snowing, honey. We'll have a nice warm lunch, and then we'll go out for a long walk. Hmm? They
12: should have
11: called. i tell you what, Kathy. We'll take our walk first. We'll see the shops. We'll visit. We'll go and see Johnny and your aunt and uncle. Maybe if it snows hard enough, we can all build a snowman. Wouldn't you like that?
12: Yes, that would be fun. <laughs>
11: well, go get your coat and hat and galoshes, dear. All
12: right. And when, when we come back, Mommy and Daddy will be home.
11: Well, you go and get your things now.
12: Oh, I'll get it. I'll get it, Buffy. <laughs> Mommy. Oh, who's this, Daddy? You um... All from a newspaper. I see. It's a man, Buff. He says he wants to talk to an older person. Here.
11: Hello? Yes, this is the Harper residence. I'm the housekeeper. I... Uh, well, just a moment, please. Uh, Kathy. Who is it? Someone wants to talk to me, honey. Will you go get your things?
12: No. Who are you talking to, Buffy? Never
11: mind, dear. Go and get your things.
12: No. No, I
11: won't. Hello? Uh, I I see. Yes. Yes, I saw the papers. Yes, yes, that was the daughter. Yes, the only child. No, she doesn't. No. No, no, I wish you wouldn't. Please, don't hear. No.
12: Who was it?
11: It oh, was just a man, honey.
12: It was from the newspapers. Why? What did he want? Nothing. He asked about me, didn't he? Why?
11: Honestly, honey, it was nothing.
12: It was about mommy and daddy.
11: Oh, wasn't anything important. Well. Yes, dear? I don't know. Look at that snow coming down, Kathy. Hmm. Get your things, dear. Go on. They sing beautifully, Kathy.
12: Very lovely.
11: This street and all the decorations and the thing are...
12: It's very lovely, Miss Bob.
11: Honey, here. Give this to the man. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Missy.
13: Very precious. Very
11: precious. Let's go home now. In a little while, don't you remember? We were going visiting, too.
12: Mommy and Daddy are probably home right now, waiting for me, wondering
11: where I am. And we'll build a snowman together, like I said. Come on, honey. I remember when I was a little girl, how excited I get. All the wonderful things to see, the sights and the smells and, and the sounds. Pretty shop windows and the snow. To be a little girl at Christmas time. To be young at Christmas time. And happy at. And...
12: What's the matter, Buffy? Oh, Kathy. Buffy.
11: Let me hold you. Oh, Kathy, darling. Buffy, you're crying. <laughs> I'm just silly, I guess. Why, look, there's Santa Claus watching us. Let's say hello to him. You were crying. Hello, Santa.
14: Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas, little girl.
11: Merry Christmas.
14: Well, you're a pretty little girl. What's your name?
11: Kathy.
14: Oh, that's a nice name for a nice little girl like you. Thank you. And I can tell you've been a good little girl. I saw the way your mommy was holding you.
12: She's Miss Buff. My mommy's away. Daddy, too. We're taking a walk to make them come home.
15: Oh, and where are they?
12: I don't know.
14: Kathy, Kathy, come in, darling. And Miss Buff, how are
11: you? Come in, come in. Mother, mother, guess who's here?
16: What? Kathy and Miss Buff. Hello, Aunt. Hello, Mrs. Cleveland. Yes. Take your
11: things off. We've got a big fire in the living room. And wait till you see our Christmas tree, Kathy. I'm sure it's very beautiful.
14: I'll bet Kathy came to see her cousin Johnny, didn't she?
12: Yes, I did, Uncle Ted. I would like to see him very much. Uh, do you know what that boy of mine did, Miss Buff?
11: No,
14: He found the train. Oh, he did? After I took so much trouble to hide them out in the garage, he found them. So, of course, I had to set them up for him. Well, it's the day before Christmas. He's uh, in his room now,
12: Kathy. Yes, I would like to play with the train. Of
14: course you would.
11: Jolly! I can't come now, Daddy. I'm
5: busy. Kathy's here. Hey, come on up and play with my trains, Kathy. You ought to see. I got
11: them all hitched
12: up now.
11: Go on, Kathy.
12: All
14: right. I've been on the phone since seven this morning, Miss Buff, and there just isn't any word at all about the plane.
13: Look, look, look!
11: A man from the newspaper called the house. I told him to stay away. Did the child know? <laughs> I I think she does. What did you tell her? Nothing. How do you tell a child, Mrs.
14: Cleveland? Look at it go! What I can't understand is why no word at all. The plane took off from Paris on time and there was radio contact over Ireland from what I could find out. But since then, nothing. You'd better tell
11: her, John. Tell me what? Well,
14: there was a storm over the ocean. Pretty bad storm. They said... Miss Buff. Yes, darling? I've
11: just
12: figured out something. It's about Mommy and Daddy. Oh, Kathy. They're not coming home. They're not ever coming home.
10: Auto Light is bringing you Miss Greer Garson with Anne Whitfield as Kathy... In Twas the Night Before Christmas, tonight's production in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Saz Spends.
9: This is Harlow Wilcox again with a message from Mr. Royce G. Martin, president and chairman of the Electric Autolite Company. It is presented in the name of the Autolite family which includes some 30,000 Autolite men and women and their families, 18,000 people who have invested a portion of their savings in Autolite, as well as 98,000 dealers and the greatest names in the industry who use Autolite products as original equipment. This is the message from Mr. Martin. In our America, we are especially blessed this Christmas with a free country. We are surrounded with freedom-loving people who appreciate the word Christmas. We are grateful for what this day means to all of us and for what it meant to our great forefathers. We will never forget the one whose holy birthday we are about to celebrate. We thank him for the word freedom and the happiness that he has given us. We of the Autolite family wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a new year filled with health and happiness. And now Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage
10: Miss Greer Garson in Elliot Lewis's production of Twas the Night Before Christmas. A tale well calculated to keep you in Suspense.
11: It'd be good to get inside of the house, Kathy. Oh, look at you. You look almost like the snowman you and Johnny built. Here, let me brush you off a bit before we go inside.
12: There's a man there. Won't you say, darling? Right there, standing by the door. A man. Hello. Good evening, miss.
15: Hello, little girl. Is this your house?
12: Yes, I live
15: here. Who are you? What do you want? Oh, then you'd be the Harper's little girl, wouldn't you?
11: Yes. I asked you, who are you?
15: Now don't worry about it, ma'am. I just want to take a picture of the little girl. You want your picture
11: taken, little girl? Kathy, you are the reporter I talked to this morning, aren't you?
15: And uh, we'll want one of you too, ma'am.
11: Here, get in the house, Kathy. Don't stand there, dear. Get in the house. I'll be in in a moment. It's Christmas Eve, Mister Reporter. Did you know that? Oh, now
15: look, ma'am. I. It's Christmas Eve. Where is your heart? Oh, look, you've got to understand, I talked to you on the phone, it was almost ten hours ago, before noon. It's nighttime already, there still isn't any word about the plane. I represent a newspaper, ma'am, we've got to assume... Well, uh, you know, I don't want to say it any more than you do. Oh, just go away. Oh, now, really, I've got to...
11: Were you, were you ever lonely on Christmas Eve? Alone in a house that's empty? while outside other people were singing... There was warmth and love and joy, but outside
15: I'm just trying to Christmas
11: Eve. The snow is falling. Christmas Eve. And the child is is grieving.
3: Yeah. I'm sorry. Good night. Kathy.
12: I'm in the living room, Buffy.
11: I I just had a wonderful thought. Yes? Let's have a secret. What, Buffy? Let's not wait till tomorrow. What do you mean? We we'll go to our tree and open some of our presents now. Maybe just one. Hmm? We'll choose the one with the most beautiful wrapping. You can open it and you can play with it now while I go and fix something for you to eat.
12: I'm not hungry, Buff.
11: Honestly, I'm or not. Oh, just some milk and cookies, honey. You haven't eaten oh, some. All right. Well. Well, let's choose. Go ahead, pick one. All right. That one. hmm It's uh it's from Mr. and Mrs. Anderson next door. Open it. You open it, Buffy. Very well. Oh, look.
12: very nice.
11: A carousel. Well, I wind it for you. And we'll put it down here. Now. Oh. Oh, that's sweet. You watch it. When it runs down, you can wind it up again. I'm going into the kitchen. And cookies are on the table. Kathy? Are you in your room, Kathy? Kathy? Kathy, honey? Kathy!
15: Wait, Miss Buff.
11: Mr. Anderson, is Kathy here?
15: Well, I know who is. Uh... Uh, would you mind asking
11: Mrs. Anderson if Kathy's here? Maybe she came in through the back way.
15: Well, Mrs. Anderson and I have been sitting in the living room for the last hour. Why, well, what's the matter, Miss Buff?
11: Kathy ran out of the house.
15: Oh, poor child. I can imagine how she must well, feel. I thought she
11: might have come over here next door. She just ran out of the house. I don't know where she is. Oh,
15: a child like that and what's <laughs> happened to her today. Now, wait. I'll get my coat, Miss Buff. I'll come with you.
16: Listen. Hi, Mr. Anderson. Want a ride? You can go all the way down the hill for three blocks. They've got it roped off.
15: Uh, Paul, have you seen Kathy?
16: Sure. Where is she? I don't know. Where is she, Paul? Where did she go? How am I supposed to know where she went? But you saw her, didn't you? Sure. She was running down the block. I yelled at her to come on over, but she kept running. Uh, Which way, Paul? Down there, I guess, where the stores are. Uh, Thank you. Sure. Merry Christmas, Mr. Anderson. Merry Christmas, Miss Buff. Hey,
11: what?
14: She hasn't been in my store, Miss Buff, and I, I'm i the
15: only one on the block who's open. Last-minute Christmas rush, you know.
11: Thank you, Mr. Ruxton.
15: Say, now, that kid and what happened to that plane today, I'd sure let the police know she was missing. I think he's right, Miss Buff.
11: Call them, please. Call
15: them. Oh, uh, use this phone, Mr. Anderson. Oh, thank you. Uh, Hello, operator Uh, Give me the police Uh, Oh, hello, police I want to report a little girl who's missing Uh Kathy Harper Well, she's got blonde hair and blue eyes uh, Oh, wait a second, I'll find out Just go in the house, Miss Buff. I'm sure they'll find her.
11: It. It's ten o'clock. They've been
15: looking for three hours. Oh, well, they have ways. They'll find
11: her. We waited in that station house and all
15: the policemen who phoned in. None of them. Well, you just go in the house. Now I'll send Mrs.
11: Anderson over. No, no, really. I'd I'd rather you wouldn't. Well. Good night, Mr. Anderson, and thank you.
14: Rollman Reed, ma'am.
11: Have you found Kathy? Yes, ma'am. Where is she? You
14: better come with me, ma'am. She is, ma'am, in the second pill.
13: Oh, careful. Oh, (laughs) child.
9: Christmas
14: Eve, church should have been the first place we should have looked for that kid.
11: Christmas. When all through the house, not a creature was stirring. Not even the mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care. In hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds. While visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mama and her kerchief and I in my cap just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. Way to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw open the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear, a miniature sleigh, an eight tiny reindeer, with a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick, more rapid than eagles, his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted, and called them by name, now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donder and Blitzen, to the tops of the porch, To the top of the wall. Now dash away. Dash away. Dash away all. Buffy.
13: Mommy. Daddy. Merry Christmas, Kathy. Kathy, baby. Hey,
15: hey, it's Christmas. We don't cry on Christmas.
13: Baby.
15: Baby. Hey, how about a big hug for me?
11: Oh, Daddy.
15: Ah, that's my girl.
11: Where's Miss Buff? I was in bed. She was reading to me.
15: In bed's the place for you. Come on, I'll carry you.
11: Buff!
16: It's Mommy! It's Daddy!
11: I know, darling,
16: I know.
15: Hello, Buffy. Merry Christmas. Merry
11: Christmas, Buff. (laughs)
15: We had to make an emergency landing in
11: Newfoundland. Small field communications were shot that storm... Yes, yes. Let's not talk about it anymore now.
12: Buffy was reading me a wonderful thing about the night
16: before Christmas.
11: Here.
12: I'll
11: put you in bed, Kathy.
12: There. There you are. Read it to us, Buffy. Hmm? To all of us. Oh, well,
11: I, um... Lost my place? I... Read it, Buffy. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the house top the courses they flew with a sleigh full of toys. And St. Nicholas, too. And then in a twinkle, I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney, St. Nicholas came with a bond. and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney, he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team, gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down on a thistle. But I heard him exclaim as he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all and to all of Good
1: night. Beautiful. A rare happy ending for a suspense story there, and how nice to hear Greergarten in absolutely anything. And how nice to hear from Johanna Lilia, who sent in this marvellous greeting.
17: Hello, this is Johanna. I want to wish a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays to Adam and to the Attaboy, Clarence, slash Secret of Zero Hollywood community. And I do think it is a community. I have gotten to know some of the other listeners, which is uh, a great way to discuss these old movies that we all love so much, and a great way to make friends across the world. I'm in Sweden myself, and I like the fact that we're discussing these movies, not just to discuss movies, I think it's a way to talk about life, and to connect emotionally to life. I. You know, when I rewatch one of my old favorites, uh, The Man Who Came to Dinner, His Girl Friday, whatever, it just feels like a piece of home and uh, gives, dare I say, a sense of belonging, <laughs> which is great. So I also wanted to mention, Adam, you did say we were allowed to plug our own podcasts, and I do have one. It's not about movies, it's about the Beach Boys. So if any of you out there have a freakish interest in the Beach Boys music the way I do, you're welcome to find it Beach Boys fan podcast on iTunes or wherever. Thanks. Bye.
1: Thank you, Johanna. So kind. And you should all rush out to download Johanna's Beach Boys podcast and Merry Christmas to you in Sweden. Well, here's a very special Christmas treat for you. A visit from secret history of Hollywood researcher, the ever-fabulous Miss Brooke Darnell, who's unearthed a very festive piece of Val Luton treasure from the wilds of the Library of Congress. And so it gives me all kinds of pleasure to introduce to you a very special Christmas issue of Brooke's Inside Looks. Brooke Darnell, she's a very clever mad when you need some information found, she's half librarian and half blood pound. So how are you?
0: I'm good, how are you?
1: Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you very much for coming back
0: oh yeah thank you for having me
1: i've had lots of positive feedback about you must be honest
0: oh good yeah so no hate
1: no hate mail no no hate mail everyone <laughs> kind of loves you and well i got an email from ray fletcher from vancouver i don't know her that's a man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um he says brooke has a great voice is she married you're married right oh <laughs> Ray's got a pretty pretty low in point, I (laughs) think. Got a nice voice, Mary. Uh, But yeah, everyone seems to be loving um, the fact that you're here and on and looking forward to what you're going to say next. (laughs) Oh goodness! Congratulations! Instant hit. Oh good. How is it? Can you walk down the street still?
0: Oh yes, yes.
1: Do people mob you?
0: No, the the hat's a good disguise. (laughs) I
1: have to wear a disguise. No, (laughs) but how are you? Everything all right?
0: I'm good. Yes. So did you um, make an anonymous call to the movie theater to say that everyone was allergic to ice cream?
1: <laughs> do you know what the weird thing is, right? We sat outside. I think there were like two or three people at that point. Uh-huh. And um, this ice cream van, do you have them in the States? Do they come around the streets?
0: Yes, yes.
1: So this, this ice cream van pulls up alongside where we sat and starts his chimes going. And he's going really slow. And Everyone's like, Oh, great. Buy everyone an ice cream. And I was like, um, well, there's not enough people here yet, so I assumed when we got into the BFI there'd be like an ice cream store because it usually is in the cinema. So um, I, I sort of waved the ice cream van away, and then we got into the BFI and there was no ice cream in there at all.
0: <laughs> you planned it all.
1: Yeah, well, <clears throat> yeah, it would have cost me a fortune. There were so many people; that was crazy. <laughs>
0: That's good though. It
1: was. It was. I was very, very flattered, and everyone was very, very nice. And you know, like the demographic of people that came. Was just so bizarre There were young people and old people and teenagers and,
0: Oh, that's so nice you know,
1: It was great, it was, it was so good Mark Gators came along and showed his face And everyone was the, kind of shied away in terror <laughs> <laughs> coming funny.
0: I love that, that horror movie thing that he did The documentary
1: The History of Horror Yes Yeah, I love that too So are you all ready for Christmas?
0: Yes, I got a tree You've done all your shopping? No, I've not done all my shopping well, I have done the shopping, but it just hasn't arrived yet. So hopefully it comes this week.
1: Okay, cool. Have, have you, uh, are, you, are you getting your dogs involved in Christmas this year?
0: Well, I have to get them funny costumes to wear.
1: <laughs> do you put antlers on them? Say you do.
0: If I can find some. <laughs> For Easter, they have a, a little chicken suit and a little bunny suit, and they absolutely hate them. But I make them wear them just long enough to take pictures. <laughs>
1: that sounds great I put antlers on Suki does she like them but actually had them yeah she loves them yeah
0: no I don't bloody like them I
1: had them surgically attached there with staples <laughs> doesn't really have much joy
0: that's why she talks like that <laughs> it's
1: basically yeah, it altered her voice yeah she has trouble getting through the, through the dog flap I have a very feminine voice actually are you spending Christmas at home this year
0: I am I have a friend coming over, so we'll watch Doctor Who, and then we'll watch some Christmas horror movies.
1: So, Do you have a favorite Christmas movie? I need to ask you this.
0: I do. The Shop Around the Corner.
1: Shop Around the Corner? Yes. Do you know, I wouldn't have even thought of that one.
0: I watch it every year. Yes.
1: What a great pick.
0: And I just realized that Matichek is The Wizard of Oz. I didn't know
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I've watched it for years, and I just didn't realize that.
1: I love Frank Morgan. He is so He's like he was one of um, James Cagney's Irish mafia.
0: Oh, so to speak.
1: one of the boys. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, you're here today because you have turned up something very Christmas related and very Valutin related, which is perfect, really. Do you want to tell people about what it is you
0: found? Yes. So I found a letter that Valutin wrote to his mother and sister uh, about his Christmas. It was from January 2nd, 1938. Mm-hmm. So it was while he was working for David O. Mm-hmm. and right before he started working um, for RKO. This is,
1: this is really cool. Because like you say, it puts him in the middle of his David Selznick career. And he even makes a remark about his job at the time and that Selznick game a set of first edition Kiplings for Christmas.
0: And he just didn't care for it. He didn't care.
1: <laughs> he just went into booked it. He said, oh, I don't want them. I'm going to swap them at the shop. David O gave me a first edition of Kipling's Verses. This is very valuable, but as I've never had any enthusiasm for firsts, I'm going to take it back to the bookstore and trade it in. David would see the wisdom in that. I I just looked on eBay tonight, and I found a first edition of The Jungle Book from 1894. Guess how much it was. In fact, let's play a game. You guess an amount, I'll say higher or lower.
0: 300,000. Lower. (laughs) 100,000
1: lower
0: oh no five hundred dollars lower <gasps> did it just start today
1: um no it's been on seven days it's got one day left oh no i'm gonna say well you know i'll give you a rough idea of how much the bid is on at the moment but yeah it's lower than 500 go on
0: 350
1: lower go much lower
0: <laughs> three dollars and fifty cents
1: oh higher no it's thirty dollars that's crazy thirty dollars Someone's going to snap that up.
0: Are you sure it wasn't a reproduction?
1: No, it's an actual one from 1894. I mean, I doubt. I don't... I, I expect someone will swoop in there at the last moment and pay like £10 million for it. But yeah, it's on there for $30 at the moment if someone wants it.
0: That's so weird. I know.
1: So it seems like Val Lewton may have had some kind of psychic ability to see what books are going to be <laughs> valuable in the future because he swapped it at the shop. Did you find out from the letters what he swapped it for? No.
0: It just says... That he was going to take it back and get him. So maybe something was missing from the page? Yeah. Because the rest of the sentence is on the next page, and I could, didn't see anything.
1: It says something like, oh, David will understand when he sees, or something like that,
0: doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. So maybe he was swapping it for a present for David of Selznick.
1: Yeah, maybe. So, um, so anyway, he didn't really like David Selznick's <laughs> Christmas present. It's pretty rude to put it in a letter as well.
0: He was just paying him that uh, mailboy's mailroom's... Salary, Because he said something about that in the, later in the letter.
1: It's like I'm um, on a mailboy's salary, yeah. Yeah. So he so didn't really care. <laughs> Screw you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you ask for news of my work. There's little to tell. I work very hard at what seems to be a very provoking job, full of detail, correspondence, etc., etc. I've even had to read up on copyright law, two great big volumes of legal piffle that bored me stiff. I think I'm doing the job well. Everyone seems pleased with me and my department, and it's getting a good reputation in the business. At the same time, I wish to God that David would put me on production or on writing, where I'd have less detail and more creative work to do. I spoke about it while we were at the desert, and he told me to be patient, that he wanted me to go to New York first, and then if all our story problems are solved, he'll let me work on a picture with him again. Outside of this one fly in our ointment, and the fact that we find it hard to save money, even on my fairly good pay, which, by the way, is considered almost an office boy's salary out here, Ruthie and I are very happy, and only hope that the new year will be as good to us as the last, and of course, your happiness and health in the new year. We want that very much. Do you collect books or anything? Because you're a bit of a bookworm, I do. Do you have any like first editions or valuable editions?
0: Um, I think I have a first edition of Mary Poppins. Really? Yes.
1: Have you ever had it valued? No. are you ever tempted?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I haven't. It was a present, so I wouldn't sell it.
1: oh Okay. I have um a 1931 edition of The Wind in the Willows that was a present, and we had (gasps) we had that valued once, and it's um it's worth it's worth a thousand pounds.
0: I got my husband that same present. Um. So he has one of those.
1: Really? Yes. I wonder if it's the same one. Is it green?
0: I think it's blue with with like a gold cover, a gold uh, lettering.
1: Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Maybe yours is faded. Mm, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> we have a 1933 edition of Christmas Carol, which is quite valuable as well. Oh, wow. And I've got like a couple of Agatha Christie first editions, but they're like worth five. <laughs>
0: <laughs> those are good holiday books to mm, like yeah. go when you're on vacation and read.
1: Mm-hmm. So what's your favorite genre of book?
0: Um, I read a lot of like Thomas Hardy and Wilkie Collins.
1: Oh, really? The classics? Yeah. I'm always daunted by those, but, which is ironic because I'm going back in time to like, talk about people. <laughs> so um, the second paragraph in the letter, anyway, he talks about Nina's behavior. Dearest mother and Lucy, we've had such a marvelous holiday season to which, as always, you contributed so much. Nina was delighted with the things you'd sent her and has, or is going to, sit down and write you a letter in her own inimitable hand. She's gotten to be a much better behaved girl lately. About something, she's very sweet. She'd been lying quite a bit at home and at school. One day I had a long talk with her and she saw the light. On New Year's Eve, when she was awakened to come down and help make noise, she heard us all making resolutions and made a resolution not to lie during the coming year. I've taken pictures of Nina standing beside the Christmas tree dressed in Lucy's party dress and in Mother's bathrobe. They'll be developed next week. I especially love her in the bathrobe. Dr. Sands, her doctor, claims that she's going to grow up to be a raving beauty. And judging from how she looks in that bathrobe, I think so too. Apparently he had quite like a tumultuous relationship with his daughter and he was quite hard on her by all accounts.
0: I think she probably just took after him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you're probably right because I
0: was reading one of Nazima's letters to her sister. Mm-hmm. So she was staying with near, I guess, Falun um, at the time, and she really was very fond of um, Nina. Mm. And she said that she was just going through the twelve to fifteen year age of being difficult and unhappy, but that she wasn't an ordinary child.
1: So, so she, so Nazima was quite a fan of Nina. Yes. Because it sounds like he cared very much about her. Like, it says that she's going to be a raving beauty when she grows up.
0: Oh, yeah, when she's in her blue robe.
1: Yeah, but it also sounds like, from what from, from, from other accounts, that he was quite a bit of a disciplinarian. Perhaps it was just a father-daughter thing, maybe.
0: Well, th- that's kind of the way Nazimova treated him. She was always going on about how um, he needed a heavy hand, and she was always fussing at him for the way he treated his mother. Um so it's probably she acts like him and he acts like Nazima because yeah. it seems like his mother was kind of a pushover
1: a very good angle this is why you're the researcher <laughs> <laughs> to start from the beginning we had a tree a great big one we dressed it in a way to please children lots of junk coloured balls tinsel and electric lights Christmas morning we opened gifts starting with the youngest first you'll not believe it but Valak can crawl with the speed of lightning and as he's rather big and heavy, he's a constant menace. Then it was Nina's turn to open presents. She got a doll buggy from Ruthie and myself, as well as some other things, mostly gifts of clothing. She's a great lover of clothes. Minnie had repaired all of Valak's outgrown clothes and freshly laundered them and put them in a suitcase as a present for Nina. Nina uses them on her Diddy doll Sonia Levian, who worked at our studio, and who used to love stories about Nina, whom she's never met, sent her an enormous doll. Ruthie also got her a doll's high chair. All in all, a very good haul for Miss Nina, including a fairy's costume with white plush wings, made for her by the wife of one of my readers, and which Nina dotes upon. It was a very doll Christmas for Nina, is not it? She got a doll buggy from Ruthie. She got clothes from a neighbour? They
0: took, um...
1: No, the baby's clothes, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, her brother's, like, old clothes and got them all um, hemmed and patched and gave them to her to dress her dolls in. That is such a
1: practical idea. (laughs) It then goes on to say um, about his electric razor. I don't know why, but this this, um, passage kind of stuck with me. The hit of my gifts was the electric razor. I seem to be the only man who ever got a clean shave from an electric razor at the very first trial. Already my skin has shown improvement. It takes me a little longer to use the electric shaver than it did for blade shaving, but I hope as I get more expert to cut this time down a little. His, his, the hit of his gifts was the electric razor. He said
0: he did very well with it.
1: Yeah, because it was such a big thing at the time to swap from dry shaving to, or wet shaving to electric razors.
0: I don't even know what they look like
1: they're like they're about as big as my fist and they've got a tiny little row of blades and honestly you rub them up your face and it just massacres your skin to pieces oh. it was such a hard thing to use but it was a really big thing back in those days to go from wet shaving to electric I and mean, it took years and years and years to take off
0: but he got it in the first go
1: but um, i'm very impressed with our luton exactly yeah yeah plus he had a blue bathrobe with red piping
0: yes which was- <laughs>
1: in hair and his blood.
0: I can just see him in that, in like pajamas and with the uh, bathrobe <laughs> <Yeah>. on.
1: <laughs> You've seen pictures of him as well. He's always, his hair is always kind of a bit tufty and stuck up. He just looks like a very, like he's just woken up every morning.
0: He kind of reminds me of Hitchcock.
1: Yeah, he does actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he does look like Hitchcock but with a bit more hair and it's kind of a bit wild.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: The health report you said to drop. The health report is pretty gross, isn't it? He tells his mother all about. Yes. Something that's afflicting him. I might put, I might put that out as an extra show because I can't really mention. It. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, when you said you can read bits of it, and I was like, I'm not reading that.
1: <laughs> Please read that. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad isn't it
0: And it's weird to stick it in the middle of a letter about how fabulous or how nice christmas is so you've got this picturesque image <laughs> of things being nice and these dolls and this bathrobe and these nice presents and then and
1: then <laughs> what well, yeah it starts as um i can tell you the infection on my finger is almost healed up <laughs> had a lot of trouble with it had to be cut open three times and drains had to be put into it which is awful enough <laughs> that's pretty much all i can read on that <laughs> it's it really graphic it's just such a weird thing to put into a letter to your mother but
0: from reading all these different letters that they wrote to each other they go into very detailed descriptions of everything so like all almost all of Nazimova's letters are about like decorating the house like every single thing like the, the curtains do you want them this color green or should they be velvet and and she talks about she got about this Chester drawers, and does he have a rug? And if not, she'll get him a, a rug. So,
1: do you think that's maybe a Russian thing?
0: I don't know if it's Russian or just like that's the only way people could talk to each other if they lived far apart. Yeah,
1: just <laughs> masses of detail. Yeah. I'm not a letter writer. I'm not very good at writing letters. I have tried.
0: I did when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah.
1: To lots of people or just one person?
0: Just a couple of people. But I had friends that lived out of state. So we just wrote back and forth.
1: Did, did did your letters get, like, really detailed? Were they very long?
0: They were long.
1: I am interested in this because I've recently rediscovered, you know, a love for letter writing. And I think I'd like to write letters to people. But it just <laughs> seems to me like I would bore them.
0: You should start a letter writing club for the Patreons.
1: That's a good idea.
0: So, like, people could just, like, write about, like, a a movie they saw or something and send it to the next person on the list. That's a good idea.
1: Does anyone else want to do that? I'm actually, I'm going to put that out there. That's a good idea. I think a lot of people would like to write letters. It's quite an old-fashioned thing, isn't it?
0: But if somebody's listening to this podcast and that's what they're interested in, would you join? Yes.
1: Cool. There you go. There's two of us then. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can get three at least. <laughs> yeah, he mentions at the end of the letter that um, he wishes David would put him on production or writing. Which is, was quite prophetic He obviously had quite a thirst to do it Yeah,
0: the earlier journal entries He talks a lot about You know, the work that he has to do Versus the work that he wants to do So he's always talking about wanting to write mm. So I think he always wanted to do, just do his own stuff
1: And to produce And of course he would This was like the last apprenticeship almost, wasn't it? Before he went on to work yeah. Right Yes, It's a nice letter actually it's, it sort of talks about his neighbours and the food they're eating and the presents. It's a very traditional letter. But, yeah. I read it and actually felt quite Christmassy afterwards.
0: Yeah. It's a lot different from the rest of the stuff in the papers.
1: For Christmas dinner, we had a big turkey and the clerks and the ballins as our guests. Hugo made some delightful place cards, which I'll enclose in this letter.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun to like look into somebody's life like this and gather... What their day-to-day was like.
1: I have to say, I do admire his letter writing so much. I really, really love the poetry and the artistry he uses just to write letters to his wife. Yes. I really, really love it.
0: I was looking later on to see if there was anything else, and there was something I thought he had written, but it was he was just copying somebody else's work, but it was about December, and it was something that the Fairy King wrote, but he was just writing it to his wife as to a her. Oh, really? It was, like, right before they got married.
1: I love that he kept up the correspondence all the way through their marriage as well. Like, if he was away for three or four weeks, yes, she would get 20 letters.
0: And then he, she would drive him to work every morning. So all the journal entries start with, Ruthie drove me to work.
1: Did I wonder if he ever learned to drive. Did you see that in his
0: letters? I don't know, because they didn't... Because all the collection isn't available. So Val Luton stuff is on microfilm, and it's just i guess whatever they got around to scanning got scanned so it's not a complete there's still stuff in boxes um that they haven't gone through yet
1: so maybe one day these letters will be complete we'll know what he swapped it for at the show (laughs) maybe (laughs) i'm dying to know i want to know if it's harry potter or something (laughs) well thank you so much for joining us brooke
0: thank you for having me
1: and on behalf of all the listeners Merry Christmas to you and thank you so much for helping me to make The Secret History of Hollywood a better show
0: Oh, you make it a better show, not me
1: (laughs) Oh, you do (laughs) Um, Can I just ask you quickly um, what your favourite Christmas song is?
0: Probably the Christmas song by Nat King Cole
1: Awesome, I'll play that for you now and um, thank you and Merry Christmas to you and to your family
0: Merry Christmas to
4: you Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost snipping at your nose, yuletide carols being sung by a choir, and folks dressed up like Eskimos, everybody knows. A turkey and some mistletoe Help to make the season bright Tiny tots with the eyes all aglow Will find it hard to sleep tonight They know that sad It's been said many times, many ways, Merry Christmas to you.
6: This is Perry sending hugs from Houston.
1: Ripes. flying in there was Perry Harper from Houston sending hugs. Thank you, Perry. And once more, a huge thank you to the ever-wonderful Brooke Darnell, and there will be more of Brooke's inside looks in the new year. She's promised to come back and give you all a peek into the very secret lives of Hollywood's finest. And don't forget to follow her on Twitter at, at Well, as many of you already know, I'm a very vocal supporter of the Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce Sherlock Holmes movies and radio shows. The series continued after both men had vacated their roles on radio and enjoyed a very golden period with John Stanley starring as Sherlock Holmes and Alfred Shirley starring as Dr. Watson. Well, one of their adventures is a very fine mystery set firmly in the tradition of the Rathbone Bruce stories and it definitely has a very festive flavour, so let's whisk ourselves away to the world of Sherlock Holmes for a festive mystery entitled... THE ADVENTURE OF THE CHRISTMAS BRIDE
7: And now how about that Christmas bride, Dr. Watson?
18: Her name was Ginevra, and she was the heir and only child of Lord Robert Neville, 10th Earl and 54th Baron Pensdragon of Pensdragon Castle. Yes, I shall never forget my first glimpse of that ancient and somewhat forbidding edifice, the walls grey and bleak without their summer covering of ivy. The tower, square and defiant with the red or rouge dragon pennant, angrily defying the winter gales. Well, as I was saying, a rather urgent message from Lord Neville on elegant embossed stationery had arrived at 221B Baker Street. Would Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson do him the honor of a visit to Penn's Dragon over the Christmas holidays? The visit to include the wedding of his daughter, Lady Ginevra, to the immensely wealthy but slightly middle-aged Wentworth Trimmingham, which was due to occur on the second day of the New Year.
7: Now, don't tell me the eminent Mr. Sherlock Holmes... was called in to guard the wedding presents,
18: Dr. Watson. <laughs> hardly, Mr. Harris. At any rate, the day before Christmas... found us alighting from our train... at a small station in the Cumberland Hills... which, as you know, are situated in the north of England. There had been a slight fall of snow. An ancient carriage with red wheels... and the level Arms on the door... was drawn up to the station platform... While the anxious face of the Lord of the Manor himself, in top hat and earmuffs, peered through one of the steamy windows.
19: Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson. That's right. Uh, this way, gentlemen. His Lordship's expecting you in carriage.
20: Quite a fall of snow you've had here.
19: Aye, sir. More a coming. By rights, we should have brought the sleigh. Only his lordship loaned it to the vicar for tomorrow night. Vicar always plays fire to Christmas at the hall on Christmas Eve, and mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Holmes and Dr. Watson, oh. sir. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Are you, well, hop
20: in before you freeze to death. Thank you. Are uh, you here, Mr. Holmes? You're your friend opposite. Ha! Ah. And now then, Dennis, back to Penns Dragon as fast as you can. Aye, my lord. Ah, Mr. Holmes, you are doubtless curious as to why I've invited you and Dr. Watson to share our Yuletide celebrations, Hens Dragon. To be quite honest, Lord Neville, I didn't think it was entirely for the pleasure of our society. Although Watson is quite an asset when it comes to carol singing. Oh, tenor? No, well, certainly not baritone. Oh, oh, that's good. The vicar who leads the Christmas singing is rather proud of his tenor voice. And I may say he's not too fond of competition. No. Uh-huh. Uh, Mr. Holmes... I have invited you to Pen's Dragon to make sure that nothing, nothing occurs to prevent the marriage of my daughter to Mr. Wentworth Trimmingham. Why is that marriage so imperative, Lord Neville? Uh, To be brutally frank, Mr. Holmes, the Neville estates are mortgaged up to the ears. If the marriage does not go through on the second of next month, I shall be bankrupt, totally bankrupt. I see. Has anything occurred, Lord Neville, to make you fear that this marriage may not take place? Well, no. That is nothing definite.
18: Perhaps the Lady Ginevra hasn't been able to hide her distaste for the
20: marriage. Oh, no, no, no. Nothing like that. Well, I, I wouldn't say it was a passionate attachment on either side. But they, they like the same things. She laughs at all his jokes. What better foundation could one ask for a marriage, eh, Watson? Well, that's what I should have said. Well, everything was as smooth as silk until the Dowager Duchess of turf gave the engagement dinner last month. It was at her suggestion that I sent you the invitation to Penn's Dragon... She's been decidedly edgy ever since Percy returned in the midst of the betrothal dinner two weeks ago. Percy? Yes, Percy is my cousin, although he's only seven years older than Ginevra. He's our next of kin. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, he's an orphan and lived with us at Penn's Dragon until he went off to Canada to seek his fortune two years ago. If
18: anything should happen to your daughter before she produced an heir, would Percy Neville inherit...
20: Yes, Dr. Watson, both the title and the estates. Percy Neville's return was unexpected, I gather. It was unexpected and melodramatic, to say the least. The betrothal dinner was being held in the great hall of Penn's Dragon Castle. My daughter had just risen to return the bridegroom's toast. As she lifted her glass, a casement window was thrown violently open, and Percy walked in out of the night. <laughs>
5: now I should like to make a toast to my future bridegroom. Percy! What, what, is, this? what, is, this? what is it?
16: Good heavens, Percy, is it really oh, you? In... I'm
19: sorry to make such an abrupt entrance, yes. Lady Thurse, but I came as soon as I received news of the engagement.
16: Percy, why
5: didn't you let us know you were coming? Let you know.
19: Let you know when you never bothered to answer my letters.
5: But, Percy, we never received any letters. We we thought you'd forgotten us. I had
19: forgotten if that would have mattered.
5: Percy, that's not true. You know how fond I... we are of you.
19: How touching.
5: Percy, this is Wentworth. Wentworth Trimingham, my future bridegroom.
19: So, this is the little man they've sold you to.
5: Stop that. (laughs) Stop it at
19: once.
5: I'm very fond of Wentworth. are
19: you, my dear Ginevra?
5: Percy, why do you look at me like that?
19: To think you should so soon forget our family motto. vile velis. The name Neville means that, you know. Ne vile velis.
18: Ne vile velis. it, I take it, eh, Holmes? Quite. It means stoop to nothing base. In case you've forgotten your obit, Watson. Oh, teach your grandmother to
20: suck eggs. Tell me, Lord Neville, what happened after Percy quoted the family motto to your daughter? Uh, he stamped off to his old rooms in the tower and hasn't been out of them since. How does the Lady Genevra react to this unfriendly behavior? Oh, she says let himself. It's no concern of hers. Lady Terce, on the other hand, is thoroughly unnerved by Percy's return. Oh? as she feels sure he'll do something outrageous the day of the wedding. Poor Wentworth is as edgy as a hen on a hot griddle. Well, of course, that may be due to his encounter with the white lady. White lady? Who's she? The ghost of the first Ginevra, you know, the bride who played hide-and-seek on her wedding night and was never seen alive again. Years later, her skeleton was found in her great dower chest, still dressed in her wedding gown. She'd hidden in there, and somehow the house must have fallen down, and she was locked in and smothered to death.
18: Seems to me, I remember a rather famous
20: poem on the subject. Oh, yes. So all the Ginevras and the Neville family have been named after her. She's supposed to walk through the halls of the castle whenever a misfortune is due to occur. Oh, cheerful damsel, eh, Holmes? When and how did Wentworth Trimmingham meet the lady? Well, Mr. Holmes, it seems it's his habit to knock on my daughter's door on his way to bed to wish her good night. Last night, the wind was rather high, and he couldn't seem to make my daughter hear. Suddenly, he heard a strange creaking noise down the corridor behind him. Looking round, he saw the lid of the dower chest rise, slowly.
14: Ginevra. Ginevra, my dear, it's I, Wentworth. I've come to bid you good night. Ginevra, are you there? Ginevra!
13: Who
14: calls me? What was that? Good Lord, the... The lid of the chest is rising. There's something... A woman in white. She's rising out of the chest. Who, who, who
15: are you?
13: The Ginevra. You call to me. So I have come to warn you. Go away. Go away before
20: it is late. Then what happened, Lord Neville? For nothing, hmm. Mr. Holmes. Apparently, the white figure glided past my daughter's fiancée and disappeared up the tower stairs. Hmm. What did the lady look like? Blonde? Brunette? Uh, Wentworth says her features were hidden by the bridal veil. Yes. Interesting. I suppose anyone in the house would have access to that tower chest. On the contrary, Mr. Holmes. Too many people are possessed of insatiable curiosity. I keep the silly thing safely padlocked, I promise you. How many keys are there to that padlock? One, which I keep by me, here, on my key ring. A very wise precaution.
18: say, Holmes, your bed is even larger than the one in my room. The butler tells me Queen Victoria slept there when she paid a visit in 1846. Don't look so
20: superior, Watson. Queen Elizabeth, I'm told, slept here quite a few years before that. Oh,
18: come in. Oh, Lady Turse, beautiful
16: and charming as ever. Stop and nonsense. Glad to see you, both of you. Something's going on here. Don't like it.
20: What sort of something are you referring to, Lady Turse?
16: Don't know. If I did, shouldn't have sent for you. Ginevra looks as if butter wouldn't melt in her mouth. Bad sign. Percy looks like a thundercloud. That's worse.
20: I thought Percy had locked himself in his rooms and refused to see anyone.
16: I'd like to see anyone refuse to see me. But I'm Gavin. Uh, You'll want to view the premises.
20: Yes. First of all, I'd like to inspect that dour chest. It might be interesting to investigate how a lady in white can emerge from a carefully padlocked coffer.
16: Then you don't think it was a ghost. Neither do I. Well, what was she up to?
20: We should be able to answer those questions better, Lady Terse, after you've had a look inside that box. I wonder if you could persuade Lord Neville to lend us the key.
16: Here's the key, Mr. Holmes. Lord Neville insists I bring it back the moment you're finished with it.
18: Suspicious, old boy, eh, Holmes?
16: Not suspicious, Dr. Watson. Fussy. Well, Mr. Holmes, where the delay? Open the silly chest. Let's see what's inside.
20: So fast, Lady Terse, not so fast. First, let's have a look at the lock. Heavy old bit of machinery. Yes, almost impossible to pick it without showing signs. There are no
18: signs. Then whoever opened it used that key. Not necessarily, Watson. But there's only one key. Lord Neville told us so.
16: And if Robert says a thing, it's gospel.
18: Yes. Interesting
20: carving around the lock. The wood's very old.
16: Mm, Naturally. Open it up. I'm dying of curiosity.
20: Very well. Lock and boiling hasn't been unlocked for some time i'll remove the padlock here watson hold it now lady terse if you'll help me raise the lid right good lord what's that
16: oh it's for Ginevra's spaniel goes everywhere with her regular shadow oh yes here she comes hello there i'm Ginevra. why you must be sherlock holmes and
5: dr watson delighted don't let me stop you mr holmes you won't father told me what you're up to I'm dying to see what's in the chest, too. Go ahead, open it up.
13: Down,
16: sword, down, boy.
18: You see, it's a biggish box, isn't it? Yes, a woman could easily hide in there.
16: Hmm, something uh, white and uh, satin lying on the bottom. Wonderful. It must be her wedding dress. I've always heard
5: it was still in there. Remarkable to find it in such good condition after all these years.
20: The remarkable thing about it, Lady Ginevra, is this dust and dirt on the hem. Watson, give me an envelope. I shall want to take a sample.
5: But that's fascinating. I've heard simply fabulous things about you, Mr. Holmes. And now I believe them. Everyone.
20: Do you? Yes, I think we've seen everything there is to be seen here. Watson, you may close the lid. And lock it.
18: Right.
13: Aha.
19: Uh-huh. So this is Mr. Sherlock Holmes and his famous deductions. They told me you were coming. They? Who's they? I understood you've let no one in here, not even the maid. You've overlooked Lady Terse. Try to keep her out of anything.
16: I didn't mention Mr. Holmes, Percy. Or did I?
19: Don't look so suspicious, Lady Terse. I've decided to be a good boy. I've even decided to come downstairs tonight and join in the Christmas Eve festivities.
16: Percy, that gleam in your eye. I've known you too long. You're up to something. (laughs)
7: If you want to know what satisfying people really means, ask any man who wears Clippercraft clothes. He'll sing their praises, with good reason, too. For values like Clippercraft amaze even clothing experts. Until you see Clippercraft clothes and try them on, you won't believe such really superb suits are possible at only $40 and $45. And such rich, long wearing topcoats and overcoats at only $40. Such very smart sport jackets at only $26.50. For just a fraction of what you'd expect to pay, you get correct styling, perfect fit, and long-wearing materials. An ingenious plan makes this all possible. The Clippercraft Plan, which concentrates the buying power of 924 of the nation's leading stores from coast to coast. You get the savings that result from this group buying at your own local independent store, the store you can trust. Selling inexpensive clothes at inexpensive low prices... At the nation's finest independent stores is the great big idea behind the Clippercraft plan. That's why men who know insist on Clippercraft clothes. So be sure to visit the Clippercraft store in your city.
10: These leading stores in the metropolitan area are proud to add their names to Clippercraft in your suit, top coat, and overcoat. In Manhattan, John Wanamaker Men's Stores, Broadway at 8th and 67 Liberty Street. Saks thirty-fourth, Broadway at thirty-fourth. In Brooklyn, Abraham and Strauss, In Newark, New Jersey, Boulevard Men's Shop, Kresge, Newark. And in Jamaica, the B&B Clothes Shop, 16408 Jamaica Avenue.
19: He'll be here.
16: But Percy, the
5: snow's so deep. What if he can't get through?
19: Now, don't worry. The sleigh is light and he has Vixen, the best horse in the county. Nothing can pass her, you know. Oh,
5: dear, I hope so. (laughs) No, so down. What ails the dog?
19: He may prove to be a bit of a problem, don't you think?
5: Goodness, I hope not. Oh, Mr. Holmes. I didn't see you behind that chair.
20: An ancient wing chair often provides a good listening post, my dear. Now look here, you meddling busybody.
5: Percy, please, you promised.
20: Suppose you allow me to solve the problem of the dog, Lady Ginevra. I...
5: Would you? I mean... Listen, say, the vicar's driving up.
20: Here, Father Christmas has arrived. Open the door, Paddleford. Now then, everyone.
18: Good King Wenceslas, look down.
14: All the
13: beasts of Stephen
16: Well slowly round about. Really, I declare I've never been so cold. My right is half frozen. Come along,
5: Father Christmas. Percy will take you into the dining room. You can have a hot toddy while you get out of your rack. That's uh, a
19: good idea. A uh, good idea. Um, better disguise your voice, sir. Or all the children will guess
14: who you are. Uh, that's a good idea, too. Uh, uh, gather round all. Uh, bring in the Yule log. <laughs> Father Christmas will be with you in a moment to give out the presents to all the good boys and girls. <laughs> there,
5: uh, how's that? Vicar, you're wonderful. Now, go along. Take good care of him, Percy.
19: Never fear, my dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Mr.
5: Holmes, Yule they're Yule. bringing in the Yule log. Help me set fire to it. Oh,
16: (laughs) Oh, look, Dr. Watson has caught Lady Curse (laughs) under the mistletoe. I declare I've never had such a Christmas. Come along, Genevra. They're ready for you to light the fire. Dear,
5: where did I put the matches?
16: Allow me, Lady
18: Genevra.
5: Oh, thank you, Dr. Watson
13: that. Oh, oh, I say, I say, how she burns! Oh,
5: lovely! I do like to toast my feet in front of a yule log.
20: I beg your pardon, Lady Ginevra, but haven't you raised your skirts a bit too high?
16: Oh my goodness! Oh, Denebra, my dear. Your fiancé is making quite an ass of himself. He runs into the library every other minute to see no one's listed one of the wedding presents.
9: Well, all that
18: silver in your present, Lady Turse, the diamond tiara.
5: I'll admit that. Tiara is a
16: temptation. You shouldn't have given it to me, Lady Turse. It's wonderful. Oh, not at all. A confounded nuisance. Giving me a headache for years. Glad to be rid of it. Oh, here here comes Father Christmas.
20: Gather around the punch bowl, everyone. And we'll have a drink or so before we give out the
16: presents. The oh, to- oh, 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 no, we oh, should. That's the ticket. I say, there, because Father Christmas, I mean. A us off on a carol. Can't drink your eggnog without a song. Right you are, fair lady. God rest oh, you, you merry gentlemen,
13: What
18: born on Christmas uh, jolly, eh, Holmes? Nothing like a good old-fashioned oh, English
14: Christmas. do out of in, don't you know? Oh, of
18: and joy, comfort and
14: joy.
7: Father Christmas,
19: not leaving us so soon. Well, uh, that is uh, a long ride home. Must get going. Uh, Don't tell the others. Uh, Wouldn't want to disturb the party. Quite. How about a hot toddy before you leave? Stirrup cup, you know. No, I haven't
20: time. I haven't time. I thought you might say that, so I prepared this jug full of grog. Keep it well wrapped. It'll keep you warm. It's a long, cold drive to Gretna Green. But, what, Mr. Holmes? No time to waste. On your way, Father Christmas. Think of me when you drink the grog. We will. Wassle. Wassle. Merry Christmas. And a happy new year. Hello, what's this? Vicar, off so soon? Uh, Yes, Lord Neville. He seemed in a hurry to get home. Oh, can't blame him. It's a cold night. Uh, Let us get inside before we freeze to death. Good idea. Oh, I say
16: they're ready to start the dancing. Uh, Wentworth's trying to find Ginevra so they can lead the dancer. Help! Help! Who's that calling? Good heavens, what is that? Get me out! I'm locked!
20: Someone's got himself locked in the dungeon. This way. The entrance is through the dining room. I was hoping for more of a head start. What's that? Nothing, nothing at all. Ah, This is the door to the dungeon.
16: Let me out! Let me out, I say!
20: Yeah, The door is bolted. Just a moment. Ah. Ah.
16: Get me out
20: of here! Good Lord! It's the vicar down there in his underwear and trussed up like a New Year's goose. This is an outrage!
16: Get me out of here!
20: But if the vicar is here, who drove off in the sleigh? Presumably an imposter who stole the vicar's clothes. I thought it might be, you know, when I heard Father Christmas sing bass.
18: Say, hey, Holmes. Holmes, where are you? Lady Ginevra, her fancy can't find her anywhere. She's disappeared, vanished into thin air. Hey, Scott, someone get the vicar out of the dungeon. I've got to find my
20: daughter. <laughs>
16: Oh, Mr. Holmes, come quickly. Ginevra's disappeared. Her dog is crouched in front of the dower chest, howling.
20: Oh, hurry, gentlemen. The same scoundrel that locked the vicar in the dungeon has undoubtedly put Ginevra in the dower chest. Well, oh, no, hope we're not too late, eh, Holmes?
16: Brentworth tried to break the chest open, but the dog won't let him near. There, I see? Easy,
20: easy, easy, thought boy. Yes, 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 I know. I know what you're trying to say. We'll get her out. Oh, confounded the key. Lady Tess, what did you do with the key?
16: But I gave it back to you. No, you didn't. Oh, yes, you did too. Quite
20: all right, you know. No key needed. The wood's so old and the staple's so loose, it's quite possible to lift the lock right out, like this. That's
13: it. I'll raise the lid.
20: Great Scott, there's nothing in there but a roasted beef. Yes. Thor's made off with it, I'm afraid. That explains his interest in the chest. But if Ginevra isn't here, where is she? With Father Christmas, I imagine. They're heading for the Scottish border in the sleigh. You'll never catch them, I'm afraid.
16: Of course. She's eloped with Percy. So she did talk him round. Good for her. (laughs) So that's why she trailed off up the tower steps in that old bridal gown.
20: I suspected as much when I discovered some of Percy's ashes on its hem. Ah, but this is dreadful. I should be ruined. We'll have to return all the wedding presents.
16: Siddle dee Personally, I'll make mine a much handsomer contribution. Ginevra shall have the tiara and my emeralds as well. They're worth the king's ransom.
20: Lady Turse, you are an astounding female.
16: All women are. Oh, but we're keeping the dancers waiting. You shall lead the lancers with me, Robert. Come along.
18: Say, Holmes, you old fraud. I believe you knew what was going on all the time.
20: I suspected Watson, I suspected, but when I saw the lady Ginevra raise her ball gown and display a pair of travelling boots, I was sure. But uh, come along, Watson, we shall have to go down to the kitchen and make peace with the cook. Oh, why that? For making off with Sunday's roast of beef. Something had to be done to keep the dog interested, or he'd have given the show away.
1: And that was John Stanley and Alfred Shirley as Holmes and Watson in The Adventure of the Christmas Bride. A very gentle case for Sherlock Holmes there. A very happy resolution with no blood and guts for once. Bravo, boys.
21: Happy holidays to you and yours, Adam, and to all the listeners and supporters of Attaboy Clarence and the Secret History of Hollywood podcast. And a better New Year for all of us.
1: Thank you, Pam Coristine, and a very Merry Christmas to you. Well, for me, this time of year is a time for nativity plays. Having three children, I am forced... <coughs> I mean, it's my pleasure to attend many, many nativity plays where I get to see the story of the birth of Jesus again and again and again. But quite honestly, you've never heard the story of Christ's birth until you've heard it done by an American old-time radio show with its plinky-plonky harp sound effects.
7: It was the Old Testament prophet Isaiah who foretold the birth of Jesus Christ. This event, which took place nearly 2,000 years ago, changed the whole world. Because with the birth of Christ, Son of God, Christianity was born. In the city of Nazareth, on a day many years ago, Mary, who was to become the mother of the Christ child, was startled when an angel appeared before her. plinky plonky, harp music.
6: Oh, that light is so bright. Yet there's no lantern lit in the room.
22: Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with you.
6: You're so radiant. Your face shines... Who are you?
22: You are blessed among women, Mary.
6: But who are you?
22: Gabriel, messenger of the Lord.
6: Gabriel? What have I done?
22: Don't be frightened, Mary. You have found favor with God. A son shall be born to you, and you shall call him Jesus. Jesus. <laughs>
6: a great change came over me from the very moment of the angel's visit. I no longer felt like Mary of Nazareth. I cannot even begin to describe my feeling, But it was as if a light, radiant and warm, shone down upon me. At the time of the angel's visit, I was betrothed to Mary Joseph of Nazareth, a carpenter. And one night...
22: Joseph 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 Take Mary for your wife She is favored by God And blessed among women I am the servant of the Lord Let it be as you have said The child who shall be born to her Will be called Holy The Son of God and what name shall we call him? Jesus.
1: Mary.
6: Yes, Joseph?
14: Mary, I'm
1: troubled.
6: Why, my husband?
1: Because you have the same echoey voices, Gabriel? The
14: child will soon be born. Now, I'm not a prophet or a teacher or even a man with great knowledge of the scriptures. I'm just a humble carpenter. How can I hope to raise this child properly, this child who is the son of God?
1: First world problems.
6: If God has chosen us to care for his son, then we must have faith that he will guide us in these things too.
14: But the task seems impossible.
6: With God, nothing is impossible.
22: I, Caesar Augustus, proclaim from this day forward that all the nations in the world under Roman law and all the people residing therein are subject to be taxed and counted.
6: It was a difficult pronouncement for us, Joseph and myself. My husband and I were both of the house and family of David. And since each person had to go to the city of his father's to pay the tax, Joseph and I had to go to Bethlehem.
14: But it's too far for you to make the trip, Mary.
6: I'll be all right, Joseph, believe me.
14: It's 75 miles away, a 3 days journey, and you're so close to giving birth.
6: I'm not afraid. As the Lord has been with us here, so will he go with us to Bethlehem.
14: Innkeeper. Innkeeper,
22: can you help us?
14: My family Can't you see I'm busy? Oh, but we need a room. Yeah, so does everybody else in this mad city. We're all filled up. There's not a room left. Oh, but my wife, my wife, don't you see?
16: Come, Joseph.
14: No, no, Mary, I must find a room for you. Now, look, innkeeper. I told you, there's no room in the inn. Oh, but my wife is so tired. She's about to have a child. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't... Look, I, I just don't have a room to give you. What with all these people coming into Bethlehem to be counted and taxed, every room is taken. Even every hallway, every corner, every chair. Yes, I know. I, I see people sleeping outside under trees. Yes, well, try down the road. There's another inn there. Oh, but we've tried them all. Don't you have something, some place where my wife could rest this night? Well, there's the stable. It's right next to the inn. There's some animals in there. Animals? Well...
6: Fine, Joseph. The stable will be fine. Well, it's
14: a clean stable. You can be alone there, except for the animals. But they're gentle and well cared for. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll go then to the stable. And thank you for your kindness. Well, I wish I could do more, but now sleep well. And the Lord be with you. you.
6: Joseph and I went into the stable in Bethlehem and Joseph made me a bed of straw and I lay down upon it tired but strangely awake for I knew the time for birth had come and so it was while his birth was heralded only by the sounds of sheep and cattle in the stable out on the hills near Bethlehem The birth of the Christ child was announced in quite a different way. Out there in the hills, shepherds were keeping watch over their flocks of sheep that night. Shh,
1: quiet. Don't you just love it when sheep obey your voice commands?
15: What is
7: it?
14: Don't you hear? What? I don't hear a sound. That's it. Not a sound. Everything's so quiet. Has it ever been so quiet up here before? you light. It's strange. I... I feel something in the air. So do I. Even the sheep seem to feel it. Remember when we were leading them up through the valley? How they were all huddled together in a close pack? What was that? It was a harp. A wolf crying? No. No, it sounded more...
9: A harp. Look.
14: What is it? Over there, the sky. Look how the sky is all lit up over there. Why, it's... It's as if the sun were going to rise at any moment. But it's the middle of the night.
22: Shepherds. An angel? angel. Don't be afraid. I bring you news of great joy, a great joy which shall be to all people. This day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord, has been born. A Savior born in Bethlehem? And this shall be a sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. He's gone.
13: A
14: Savior, he said. A Savior born in Bethlehem. Come, we must go and look for this Christ child, this child of the Lord.
6: In the sky. Who is it, Joseph?
14: Shepherds, Mary. They say an angel came to them in the fields and told them about the child's birth. And they've come to see him.
6: Let them come closer and see for themselves.
14: Look at him. Just as the angel of the Lord told us. Wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So this is the Christ Child. The son of God. The savior of all people. And we have seen him. Come. We must tell all Bethlehem about the good news. What is all this mumbling about, wise man? What are you discussing so excitedly with your companion? Oh, King Herod, we come with news about a wondrous event. What is this wondrous event? We have followed a bright, a beautiful star. Followed it here all the way from our country far away. What, What is the meaning of this star? It is a king's star. The star of a newborn king. We hope to find him here. We've come to worship him. You mean a new king has been born in Bethlehem? This is what we believe. Now we must go and search throughout the city to find this king of men. Wait, wait a moment. Yes, King Herod. When you, uh, when you find this young child, will you come back and tell me exactly where he is? If you wish it, O King. I do wish it. You see, I, I will want to, uh, worship him, too. Deuteronius! Deuteronius! Yes, King Herod? Have you heard about this king of men born in Bethlehem? Yes, everyone is speaking of it. I must find the child, you hear? I must find him. Why? To destroy him, you fool. He threatens my throne. The star is brighter than any other star in the sky. Come, my companions, see how it stands still directly over that house there. That must
22: be where the Christ child was born.
14: A light. What? What is this?
22: I am a messenger from the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. You must not return to Herod, wise men. But but Herod commanded us to return. He must not know you have found the child. We will do as the Lord wishes.
14: But why does he wish this?
22: Herod wants to kill the Christ child.
14: We will return to our country in the east by a different route. But first, we go to see the Christ child. Yes, yes this is the child, the savior which is Christ the Lord. The child we have searched for so long.
6: See how he looks at them, Joseph. Almost as if he knows them.
14: And see the presents they brought with them, Mary. They are presents for a king. And this is truly the king of kings. <laughs>
22: Joseph.
1: Joseph. Joseph needs a hearing aid, I think.
22: Listen carefully to what I tell you. Arise and take the young child and his mother and go to Egypt. Stay there until I bring word to you from the Lord God. Herod is searching for the Christ child in order to destroy him. <laughs>
14: haven't I heard, Josarius? King Herod. Why haven't I heard from those three men from the east, the ones that were looking for the Christ child? I don't know. It has been many days since they left here. Yes, maybe they didn't even go to Bethlehem. Maybe they found the child right here in Jerusalem. Oh, no, Herod. I saw them off the same night they talked with you. The star they told about appeared again in the sky. Then they followed after it on the road to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is only five miles away. They must have arrived there the same night, by morning at the very latest. Surely they could have come back here by now. Of course they could. They've mocked me. They betrayed me. You think they found the child? Certainly they found the child. And they gave him all that gold and those costly presents. Why, they may even plan to help him establish his kingdom right here in Jerusalem. Oh, king, if you are afraid... Afraid? King Herod, ruler of all Judea, afraid? Afraid? I'm afraid of no one. Certainly not a small child. Perhaps if we sent men to Bethlehem and searched all the houses for a baby who was born... Search. I'll do better than search. I'll put an end to this. Pretender to the throne of Judea for good. Guards. Call the guards. I'll send soldiers, soldiers to Bethlehem and all the towns around Bethlehem. I'll destroy every child that is two years old or under... All of them. Every
6: single one. King Herod carried out his threat. News of his cruelty reached Joseph and me in Egypt. We were deeply sorrowed by the suffering Herod had caused so many mothers in Bethlehem. We stayed in Egypt until a day came... When the angel of the Lord brought word to us, as he said he would
22: Arise and take the young Christ child with you back to Israel, for they are dead which sought to kill him, the Savior of all the people.
6: go back to Bethlehem, Joseph?
14: No, Mary, we'll go to Nazareth.
6: It'll be good to be
14: home again. Yes, yes, it will.
6: You can be a carpenter once more.
14: And I'll train this fine, healthy son to be a carpenter, too.
6: And we will teach him the scriptures, the law of Moses, about the prophets, and of the mighty kings David and Solomon.
14: The time will probably come when he will be teaching us.
6: Oh, Joseph, Are you still fearful of the task of caring for Jesus?
14: No, Mary, no. The Lord has guided our every move since this miracle was given to us. And when the time comes for the child to be more than a carpenter's son, the Lord will show us the way then, too. And until then, we'll give him careful training as best we know how.
6: And love.
14: Yes, Mary, and love.
6: Oh, Joseph, I can't wait to see Nazareth again.
14: Well, then come, come, Mary... This will be the happiest journey of our lives.
6: And we returned once more to Nazareth. So that the words of the prophet might be fulfilled. The words that said, He shall be called a Nazarene.
1: Oh, and thank you for the old-time radio version of the Nativity, with all its plinky-plonky holiness. I hope that got you all in the Christmas mood.
21: Hi, Adam. Tom here from the Anywhere Bit Here, Ship High in Transit and Tom and Joe Show podcasts, wishing you, your family, your audience and, of course, Suki, a very, very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm talking to you on a rubbish dictaphone as I ran out of time to do a proper recording, but I hope in some way that it sounds a lot like an old-timey radio broadcast. Anyway, what a year 2017 has been, eh? Not only have your shows gone from strength to strength, but we actually got to meet in real life. Twice. Thanks again to you and your family for putting up with me, Aunt Scott, Charlie and Smokey and making us feel extremely welcome in your home. And congratulations on the more recent meet-up in London, where a load of your audience got to meet each other. What a wonderful bunch they all were. I truly hope that 2018 manages to somehow surpass 2017 for you and here's to many more years of your wonderful shows and maybe some more frequent meetups. Thanks for all the hard work that you put in, Adam. It's truly appreciated. Happy Christmas.
1: And thank you to Tom and Merry Christmas to you and to Aunt and Joe and best of luck for 2018. Well, folks, thank you so much for being here with me on this special Christmas edition of Attaboy Clarence and to play us out. How's about we hear from old Blue Eyes himself, Mr. Frank Sinatra? Have
3: yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. Next year, all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Next year all our troubles will be mild. the golden days of yours. Faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more. Someday, soon,
1: I'll be back in the new year with more Attaboy Clarence and more secret history of Hollywood stories so may I just take this opportunity to wish you all a very Merry Christmas a Happy New Year and to offer my most grateful thanks for making 2017 such a wonderful year
3: So have yourself a merry little Christmas now.
1: Bless all of your hearts. Take the most wonderful care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month, and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews and eBooks. and every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you.